Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Minister Ginger London. I am so glad that you're joining us on the the show on tonight. Tonight is part three, falling in love for the wrong reasons. This is part three of the Getting Ready for the Right Relationship series. And so on tonight, we'll be discussing the wrong reasons why people fall in love. And we'll also be talking about self-esteem. We have a very special guest that's joining in the conversation um, on on tonight, Dr. Crystal is joining us, and um, she's going to come on and uh, give us some information on uh, low self-esteem as well as self-esteem. She's going to be at the top of the hour and then at the bottom of the hour. So we're going to open up with prayer. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the show, introduce her to you, and then I'm going to let her come on and teach us uh, tonight. And, and we're going to have a conversation about why people fall in love for the wrong reason. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on tonight. Love you, Lord God. We honor you. We bless you. We pray that every ear that has an ear will hear what you are saying to your people on tonight. We thank you that we are humble before you, and we thank you that your word never returns void, but it accomplishes exactly what you set it out to do. Thank you for the vessel on tonight, Dr. Crystal, that will share the instrument of righteousness that you have purpose for tonight to join me. I pray that you would bless her life, that her life will be enriched from sharing with us on tonight, and, Father, that you will open up ministry doors and and professional doors for her that no man can close, and she will know that only you um, was able to do what you're going to bless her with for being a part on tonight. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, we love you, and we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Tonight we're talking about falling in love for the wrong reasons. And there is a scripture in the Song of Solomon uh, chapter 2, verse 7, where the uh, the Shulamite is um, charging the daughters of Jerusalem, and she says, listen, she says, don't awaken love before it's time, or don't stir it up before it's time. And a lot of times, as single adults, we uh, stir the pot a little too early, and we cause some friction in our lives because we move out of the season and the timing of God for when we are when we should engage in relationships. And a lot of times when we move out early, um, it's because of what we're thinking about relationships, what we think about ourselves, what we think about being single, where our self esteem is at that time, um, or where our mindset sets are at that time and it causes us to leap out and jump ahead of God's plan. And so on tonight we want to talk about uh, doing doing that for the wrong reasons and um, and how we uh, stop that process and move into the process of actually uh, engaging in relationships for healthy reasons. And so I want to introduce to you our special guest. I call her Dr. Crystal. And so um, she is a certified faith-based clinical counselor. She's a life coach. She's also a speaker. She has over 18 years of counseling um, and training development experience. She um, has extensively trained in the areas of faith-based clinical counseling, herbal medicine, and neuropsychological immunology. She holds a Ph.D. in biblical counseling as well as a certification in herbal medicine and nutrition. Uh, She is the founder of Kaleidoscope Outreach, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing life skills, training services to individuals who, due to a lack of resources, go without the help they need. And she is the host of Coffee with Crystal 
on Blog Talk Radio. So some of you may be familiar with her who are listening on tonight. She's the author of the 30-Day Women's Devotional, A Transcending Peace, and the soon-to-be-released devotional from Mommy with Love. She is a native of Donaldsonville, Louisiana, and I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I know this is some good teaching you're going to receive tonight. Dr. Crystal currently resides in a suburb of Metro Atlanta with her husband and her two children. Dr. Crystal, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us on tonight. I'm going to uh, step back and let you... um, uh, be used by God, and we're ready to receive your teaching. And you can tell us any little, any more, but you want to say your website and all those kinds of things, be sure to let us know about that. Okay, well, thank you so much. First of all, let me say good evening to your wonderful audience out there, and let me thank you again, Minister Ginger, just You're for allowing welcome. Bless you opportunity to be able to come on. And I'm just so grateful to be able to come on, spend some time with you and your audience. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. It speaks very closely to an area that I hold dear. Over the last 15 years, I've done a lot of work with individuals who are either in the middle of or coming out of an unhealthy relationship. And I use the term unhealthy because I am a firm believer that our emotional health is connected so tightly with our physical health. And we, when we are in relationships that are emotionally draining, they play a huge impact on our physical well-being. And I just want to start off, according to the National Association for Self-Esteem, they define someone who possesses low self-esteem as someone who feels incapable of meeting life's challenges. They feel unworthy of experiencing happiness. They're unsure of what normal looks like and feels like. They describe them as individuals who are not comfortable with themselves or with others. And those are feelings of uncertainty and discomfort that are carried into relationships. They're carried into one's everyday interactions. And this evening, I would just like to address three areas right now of low self-esteem that really manifests itself and impacts our relationships. And the first one is a lack of love for self. And I know, okay, a lot of you out there may be saying, hey, okay, wait a minute, Crystal, I love myself. And I believe that you do. But let me ask you this question. What are you willing to put up with in a relationship when you feel that you have met that one perfect person? Do you tolerate or make excuses if, say, they have a wandering eye, or they tend to be a little bit flirty. Do you offer excuses to yourself, saying things like, oh, well, you know, that's just them. That's just how he is. That's just how Mm -hmm. she is. Or in the middle of conflict, do you tell yourself, I really need to watch how I say things. You know, he or she really didn't mean to speak to me disrespectfully. They didn't mean to yell at me. They didn't mean to push me. You know, he or she really didn't mean to hit me. They love me, and I know that everything will be okay. This is only one time. It won't happen again. And then if it happens again, do you tell yourself, well, 
I know I said just this one time, but I am certain they are truly sorry, and it was my actions that caused it. And I know that it won't happen happen again. I want you to stop and ask yourself, does that feel like love? Any of those things, when you're spoken to in the wrong tone, do you say, well, they love me? Or to you, does love feel like a comforting embrace? Does love feel like an environment of security where you're free to be yourself, where you're free to express your desires, your likes, your dislikes? You see, when there's a lack of love for self, there's a tendency to hide in the shadows of relationships. It is almost as if you pull out the welcome mat and you say, come on in, here I am, feel free, walk all over me. Absolutely. When you don't value yourself and this behavior is allowed to continue, you tend to find yourself waking up one morning wondering, how in the world did I get here? This is not what I thought it was supposed to be. You know, and I've been guilty of this one myself, we tend to hide behind the makeup. We hide behind the cars, the clothes, the homes. And we tell ourselves, if everything on the outside looks good, then it has to be good. If I can put up this front, then it's okay. I can hold it together and it will be okay. But what begins to happen is you start to attract the complete opposite of what you're hoping for. Because of that lack of love for who you are, you tend to enter into relationships built on the false pretenses that you're creating all around you. And now you expect the person that you're with to change because you've decided now, okay, I'm three months into this relationship. He or she loves me. I know they love me. So now let me start making it clear what my expectations are in this relationship. Well, that's just not fair. It's not fair to you, and it's not fair to them. When we enter in relationships and we don't fully love ourselves, when we don't have the confidence to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, this is me, this is who I am, and these are the things that are important to me, it's not fair to change it midstream. Absolutely. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yes, you can. Yeah. You know, it's almost like um, you put on, uh, you you started with the question, you know, what are you willing to put up with? But it sounds like there are some people who will actually put a false mask on, even though they know what they're putting up with is wrong. They wear that mask, and like you say, three months into the relationship, now they want to redefine the relationship. Or now they want to put their expectations up front. You know, and so you put your expectations up front, and the other person is not going to change because the one that was already walking all over you, he or she is not going to change. And they end up saying something like, well, you knew this about me three months ago. Why you waited for three months before you said anything? Exactly. And it's just, it's not fair. And you do yourself no injustice because a lot of times you tend to then say, because you don't truly love yourself, you're right okay, let's just continue on doing it your way. And then you die slowly inside. And that's not the way God intended for us to live our lives. He intended for us to be free, free to love and free to be the beautiful beings that he created us to be. 
Absolutely. Another area is past guilt. Past guilt is something that causes us to really suffer from low self-esteem. It produces unhealthy relationships. We carry around the guilt of wrongs that we may have committed, and we begin to feel that we deserve to be treated less than exceptional. And that's not true. We buy into the saying, what goes around comes around, not in relationships. That is not the way it was intended. Once we've sought forgiveness and we've apologized for the wrongs that we have done, we're free to move forward with our lives. I've not come across a passage of Scripture yet that says that you have to carry around old guilt and allow it to impact your today. I've not seen it. And those two lead into the final area that I would like to touch upon, and that's the inability to view ourselves and to love ourselves the way God does. And in this, I would like to look at a passage of Scripture, and I'm sure all of you are very familiar with it, but I want to encourage you as we go through it to view it in light of how you love yourself. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So let's take a moment and really examine what this verse is telling us. It says, beareth all things. So love enables us to assume and to absorb some degree of loveless behavior by another person, or in some instances what we may appear or perceive to be loveless. But let me ask you this. Do you allow yourself the same grace that you extend to others? Or do you berate yourself the moment you make a mistake? How hard are you on yourself? And then it says, believeth all things. Love never loses faith in others and is willing to think the best of them in spite of past actions or current circumstances. So love allows us to look beyond the past and the present hurts and the wrongs that we see so that we can see the best in others. And that's wonderful when we've reached a point when we can do that for people. But how often do you follow that same scripture and look beyond your past, look beyond the person that you were five years ago, three years ago, beyond the person that you were just last week? And love the person that you are today. It says, hopeth all things. Love looks forward with optimism, knowing that without a doubt, God works all things out for the good. Love enables us to move forward and to release bitterness and anger. But are you able to view your life with optimism and to trust that no matter what you may have been through, God has promised that he works everything out for the good. And lastly, it says, endureth all things. So love holds on. After all is said and done, love never fails. It never ends. Are you able to hold on and trust that God loves you and his desire is not for you to settle just for the sake of being in a relationship? I'm going to go ahead, Ginger, and turn it over okay. to you. 
Absolutely, and that's a great start. How do you view yourself? How are you seeing yourself in relationships? You know, what is your self-esteem? How do you what, what do you think you're worthy? Do you think you're valuable? Or when I say worthy, do you think you're worthy of a good, healthy relationship? Or do you think that there's something in your past? Are you still feeling guilty? You know, uh, is your vision clouded about uh, your life? And we talked about that the last two nights. How your emo- what your emotional programming has a lot to do with how you value yourself. And so your self-esteem has to be um, stable, and it has to be in alignment with the Word of God. And what God says about you, you have to uh, yield yourself to change in certain areas. If God is working on a certain area of your life, you have to yield yourself to the Word taking over and um doing its work in you, bringing about a change. But you must change your mindset about how you view yourself, what you think about yourself, and um, how you feel towards um, having good relationships. Do you believe that you're worthy of one, that you deserve to have good relationships? You, all of us have made a mis- have made mistakes in the past, and as Dr. Crystal said, none of us. There's no we're in the Bible where we're told to try to to um, carry that guilt around. The Word says, "Cast your cares on God, because He cares for you." So even um, in that mistake, once you any mistakes you've made in the past, once you once you've asked God for forgiveness, then you have then He 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 freely gives it to you, and if you receive it, you can go on with your life, and you can watch your life become transformed and renewed and and change, and then you can actually see yourself the way God um, sees you, and and that's going to be important. And so self esteem is important. I want you to keep everything that Doctor Crystal has said to you over the last few minutes in, in mind as we go through the seven, the seven wrong reasons uh, to uh, fall in love or the seven wrong reasons to be in a relationship. And uh, once we go through them, she's mentioned some of them already, but we'll shed some more light on, on each of these, and you'll begin to see how important it is for your self-esteem to be um, uh, built up and you need to be confident um, about yourself. And I'm going to... Uh, Ask Dr. Crystal. You can jump in any time when we go through these seven reasons. Like I said earlier this week, we're having a conversation about this particular situation of life for single adults. And so right now, let's look at some the seven reasons, the seven wrong reasons to be in a relationship. And the first one, if you're taking notes or if you're in the chat room, we'll put it out there for you. The first one is pressure. And it could be pressure from your age, from your family, or pressure from friends, any kind of pressure. And like I told you before, uh, single adults receive, uh, you know, a pressure all the time. And so, you know, um, you have to ask, you, some of the questions to consider would be, are most of your friends parts of a, part of a couple, but you are still single? Are you unmarried and over 30? Are you the last person in your family? to get married. And so some of the pressures of age would be if you're over a certain age and you're not married, then you may be thinking that something is wrong with you or you may have family members and friends who where you either well either they say it directly to you or you overhear them in conversation or even coworkers that talk about what age they think that people should get married and if you're not married uh, by a particular age then um something must be wrong with you or you know you're um uh, an old maid or whatever they call the the term is for the guys. But, you know, and then when you hear those statements a lot, if you're pressured by that, then you'll end up connecting with someone because you're trying to beat your clock. You know, the biological clock, the age clock, 
you know, you're rushing trying to get married before you're 40 or you're trying to get married before you turn 25 or before you turn 30. And so what happens is you end up connecting with someone who you target as an easy target. And they usually are an easy target. Or you have to put on a facade because you're not going to tell that person the real reason why you're interested in them because then they wouldn't marry you. I don't know anybody that's okay, well, I'll marry you because, you know, next year you'll be 35. You know, if that person, if a man or a female would tell you that, then you need to be weary of them because they have some of their own personal issues. And so you're going to still have an unhealthy relationship even if somebody knows that's why you're trying to get married. And they marry you because of that reason, because of age pressure. You still won't have a healthy relationship. Um, maybe you're being pressured by family and friends. You know, some people are susceptible to the opinions of their family and of their friends, and they they allow themselves to be pressured uh, uh, to getting into a relationship or staying in a relationship that doesn't make them happy. You know, I know of two situations that are similar. Uh, uh, there was one situation where it was a, a, a guy, he got married because his family was pressuring him, and the pressure would come in the form of statements like, well, you're the only one that's not married yet. And then that went, statement went from that to, well, if you're not married, uh, why are you not married yet? Nothing's wrong with you. Are you gay or something? So it went to that kind of statement. And so when his mother started pressuring him with that statement. Uh, you're not gay, are you? Is that why you're not married? He started feeling pressured by his mother's statement, and so he married to prove to his mother that he wasn't gay. And so now he's in an unhappy situation because he was trying to prove to his mom that he wasn't gay. So he rushed and got married to someone, to the first person that would marry him, trying to prove to his mother he wasn't gay. I know of another situation of a young lady that I counseled. She got married because she felt like God had forgotten her. And she ended up meeting a guy, a different guy, who was receiving the same kind of pressure from his mother because he was 30-something in his late 30s and he had never married. And so his mother was pressuring him with the same statement. Are you gay? What's wrong with you? Why are you not married? So they ended up meeting each other. And so he doesn't tell her to later that his mother was pressuring him with those statements, and she never admits that she got married because she felt like God had forgotten her. And they were a year or two into the marriage, and she found herself sitting up in the bed when he was asleep looking at him uh, um, with a distasteful uh, spirit, looking at him going, ugh, how did I end up with this? How did I get here? You got there because she oh well, she got there because she married for the wrong reason. So she really doesn't have any room to complain about who she ended up marrying because her motives were impure. So now here she was marrying for the wrong reason, but she expected him to be a godly husband. Well, she wasn't godly when she made the connection. So as Dr. Crystal said, it's unfair for you to um uh, get involved with somebody, and then somewhere along three, four months into the situation, you want to now want to pull out a rule book that you have or some expectations, but you didn't, but you you weren't clear in the beginning of the situation or of the relationship, and so now you're running around telling everybody, or she was saying, you know, my husband isn't godly. I'm praying for my husband to become a godly man, and probably somewhere in his psyche, he was also praying for something as well. So it's unfair to marry, to connect with somebody for the wrong reason and then expect right to come out of it or expect them to be your ideal 
type partner. You know, you were looking for a godly man, but you settled for an ungodly man so that you can beat the pressure of family and friends. So the first wrong reason is pressure. So don't don't marry uh, for pressure because if you give in to pressure, you will end up with some unpleasant um, outcomes. You will end up with some negative attitudes being displayed um, in, in, in the relationship, and then you'll be trying to wonder what happened. And uh, because pressure is not, you know, it's not good in any area of life, peer pressure, work pressure, it does at some point, there's going to be an explosion or it's going to be a defeat. And either pressure will either beat you down or it will cause you to lose control of something. So if you make a decision to be with someone because of pressure, then you are going to feel, um, rather than because of the, the person is right for you, you're going to stay in the relationship um because of the pressure, and you're going to give your power away. And God doesn't desire for that. The second reason for not being, uh, the wrong reason for the relationship is loneliness or desperation. Uh, and loneliness is a period in your life when you feel emotionally empty to the point where you become desperate for someone and um, anyone to love. Loneliness is a state of your emotion. Being alone is just a state of where you are at that moment. I could be alone in the house right now, but as soon as somebody shows up, I'm no I'm no longer alone in the house. But when I'm have when I experience loneliness, then that's a, a, a state of emotion or an emotional state that I'm in, and it takes a little bit more than somebody just showing up. Because even when you connect with a person out of loneliness, if you don't uh um overcome that particular emotional condition, you can still be in a relationship and have some lonely be and have some feelings of loneliness. Because if you're not compatible, um, you can be in a relationship and maybe she never calls. Maybe she never comes over. Uh maybe she doesn't show up for um dates. She's unavailable. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe he doesn't show up. He's unavailable. And so you can connect with somebody and still be um have feelings of loneliness. Have you seen that, Dr. Crystal, in your ministry? Yes, I have. And one thing, too, that I wanted to touch upon, you made a very valid point when you were talking about pressure. A lot of times that and the loneliness all ties into self-esteem because there comes a point when you have to ask yourself, why am I caving in? But in order to ask yourself that question, you have to love yourself, and then you have to have enough self-confidence, which goes into self-esteem, to be able to voice the concern to the other person. Rather, it's to the significant other that you're with and you're still feeling lonely, you have to be able to ask yourself, first of all, what am I missing? Why am I looking to this person to fill that void? And when it Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. And what you were saying about the family members, you know, you have to have enough self-confidence to stand up to family and friends, as well-meaning and as loving as they may be, and say, hey, you know what? I've just not found the person that's right for me. And I know that's hard. It's very hard. I've talked to a lot of people over the years that, for whatever reason, they give in to the expectations of their family because the family expected them to do this. The family expected them to marry that kind of person. We can't live our lives for our families, and we have to have enough confidence and self-esteem to be able to stand up and say, mm-mm, that's not what I want. So, yes, to answer your question, I have yeah. that. <laughs> 
Absolutely, because you know what? The same family members that are pressuring you when the relationship doesn't work, those same family members come back and say, well, uh, you know, you're your own man. You're your own woman. You, I didn't make you marry her. You should. You didn't really have to listen to me. I was just pointing out something. You didn't, just, you didn't have to get married right That's now. Okay. I was just mentioning that to you. You know, that's those same family members. Instead of saying, you know what, I put that pressure on you, and it may have caused you to make a poor choice. Instead, they come back and ease themselves out of the picture as if they didn't pressure you and then put all of the blame on you and say, well, you know, I didn't make you do it. You know, I just was mentioning that you were getting old. I didn't tell you to go marry that person. You know, I didn't tell you to get in that relationship, you know. And so uh, the same people who are pressuring you will turn around and when they see the devastation that you're in, and that's kind of harsh, but when they see the dilemma that you're in, they'll back themselves out of the picture as if they didn't have a hand in it. And so now you're feeling even more overwhelmed, you know, and sometimes even more um for lack of a better word, you know, uh, stupid about the situation because you didn't have the confidence to speak up for yourself. And so now you're saying, well, I should have spoken up for myself. And you're right. But so when that situation is over, then you have to build that confidence because at some point those same family members and those same friends, they're going to come back with some more pressure. So even if you're in a situation and you get married to somebody, it goes from why why aren't you married yet to when you're going to have your first child. So the pressure from them continues until you take a confident stand and reclaim your own life. And then and only then do most people who pressure you usually back off when they see they can't get anywhere with you. But as long as you allow them to pressure you, they'll keep pressuring you. It'll go from why aren't you married or why aren't you dating somebody, then why aren't you married, then from why aren't you married to why aren't you pregnant yet, why don't you have, why, why isn't your wife, why you guys haven't had any kids yet. You know, Then it goes from that, what kind of, why y'all not living in a better house, what y'all doing? You know, it goes, the pressure continues. It just it just piles up on you. And so when you're feeling uh, lonely and desperate, if you're not careful with that, if you don't get healed from that, what happens is you make poor poor love choices and you end up in unfulfilling love, love relationships, you know, and uh, it causes you to lower your standard because there's nothing, it, there's no way you couldn't lower your standard. If you're feeling the pressure, you're going to rush out and you're going to do something, or if you're lonely or if you're desperate, you're going to rush out and do something trying to satisfy, as Dr. Crystal said, the void that's there. And in order to satisfy that void, um, you're not looking for, you're not discerning whether or not the relationship is healthy. You just want anybody. And so anybody steps in and fills that void, and what happens is you end up with uh, lowering your standards because you're feeling like uh, times are tough. You're not not, uh, trying to uh, figure out anything. You just want somebody to show up. And when anybody does show up, you take him or you take her, and then you try to make it work. Well, it doesn't work like that because when anybody shows up, anybody cannot fill that void. The only way that that void can be filled is by the presence of God. But when unhealthy meets unhealthy, it just remains unhealthy. So, and most of the times if you do meet somebody who is strong and his or her emotion and they're confident and they have a good self-esteem, when they discern that you don't, like I said on another show, they'll give you some time to improve, but eventually they'll leave the relationship because they have enough confidence to know, they have enough strength to walk away from something that is unhealthy. Unhealthy people are clingy, and they won't really walk away. They cling. You have to almost push them out of the relationship, you know, or move out of town or something. But 
it's, you know, it's, it's hard for them to let go. So the first one, again, is pressure. Uh, from that could be your age, your family, your friends. Number two was loneliness and desperation. Um, loneliness will have you uh, thinking that uh, you're unloved. It'll have you feeling like nobody likes you, nobody cares for you. You know, you have to change change your mindset. Mindset there has to be a shifting in your thinking, and you have to strengthen yourself in your emotion and say, "I may be alone right now, but I don't want to be." I don't want to have the feelings of loneliness. And so until the right person comes along, you need to ask God to send you some uh, bona fide, genuine friends that you can do special activities with, go to uh, movies with, go to dinner with, go to uh, festivals or whatever it is that you do for your leisure. But you need God to surround your life with some healthy friendships so that you won't have to be sitting in your house, your apartment, wherever you are, having the feelings of loneliness and find yourself picking the phone up, calling an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend that was never any good from Jump Street, dialing those numbers again, and then finding yourself back in another bad cycle that you've gotten out of. So you have to pray for God to heal you from that and surround you with genuine friends who will be there to encourage you, support you, and get you out the house and into some activity so that you won't have that feeling, the feelings of loneliness. Number three is sexual hunger. Now, speaking from a Christian perspective, we know that abstinence is the way to go. We know that God does not want us fornicating. We're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Um, Unfortunately, for a small percentage of the Christians, uh, you have some people who are actually engaging in sexual activity. Um, uh, And I say small because we don't know everybody, so we can't really put a a statistic on it. So there is a small group that uh, is probably engaging in it for a number of reasons. Some people have sexual hunger because they they, they um, engaged in it before, and the Word of God tells us uh, uh, not to awaken love before it's time. You know, uh, there's another scripture that talks about um, don't stir the waters in the cistern, in the well. You know, let it sit still until the right time. And it's talking about your sexuality or your sexual drive. And so when you get it, when you actually have that um uh, when you're engaging in sexual activity, there's always this thirst for more because of uh, the, the the power that's involved in it. You know, into that sexual intimacy is powerful, and there's a connection that occurs. And so there's always a desire for more. So what happens with sexual hunger is that um, you start overlooking those things in your partner that you don't like um, or that could uh, – uh, that you could that would cause you to stop the relationship. You overlook it, and all you do is in, you you maintain the relationship just to have sex. So you can know all of the faults and 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 things about that person that are unhealthy for you, but the only thing that's on your mind is having somebody there. So when your sexual drive kicks in, you pick the phone up, go over, do whatever you 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 normally do, so that you can have sexual activity with that person. And so. When you are moved by your sexual drive, what happens is the only thing you're interested in is having sex with that person. You're not interested in a, a lasting relationship. You're not um, uh, interested in uh, establishing anything. You're not even really interested in trying to see whether or not the relationship can be fulfilling. You're only interested in the sexual part um, of the relationship. And then it becomes uh, self-serving because it's really about your sexual hunger and not the other person's sexual hunger. And the danger in that, uh, especially in these day and times, is you can be um, 
trying to satisfy that sexual hunger and embark upon something else like STDs or unplanned pregnancy, uh, you know, um, uh, unexpected or unplanned, not unexpected, but an unplanned uh, pregnancy for male or female. The man could be, you know, the woman gets pregnant and now you have a child on the way that you didn't plan for, all because you were trying to satisfy a sexual hunger or you find out that you now have transmitted a sexual disease, have a sexually transmitted disease that you can't go get a shot for. You know, or you're you're HIV positive. So now that sexual hunger has put you in a place where you have something to remind you that you went before the season and time, and now you have something to deal with for the rest of your life. So if you had low self-esteem prior to that, you're definitely going to have the low self-esteem when you find out that you have uh, contracted something that you can't take a shot and get rid of, that you now have to rearrange your life. Um, to even accommodate what you've now, you know, have acquired because you had a sexual hunger and you chose to choose, you chose a relationship or unhealthy situation trying to satisfy sexual hunger, rather than praying for God to uh, keep your sexual desires until you are married, until you've until you've met the one that God desires for you to, to connect with. Um, uh, Dr. Crystal, have you seen in your in your ministry or, or in your counseling people who have been devastated by following their sexual passion? Yes, I have, definitely. I have worked with a lot of women who come and they sit in my office and they just have no hope because they've either allowed themselves to go from relationship to relationship looking for love or they take and tolerate so much from the one that they love till they give in to things that they know normally they would not give in to, especially a lot of single women that I've worked with. It's as if a sexual relationship validates who they are, or at least they buy into the idea that if I give in and we go this distance, then I have him. And that's not healthy either. Again, that ties into a lack of self-esteem. You have to be able to love yourself, and I cannot emphasize it enough, love yourself enough to say, this is not right. This is not the standard that I have set for myself. This is not the standard that God has set for me. And I love myself enough to say that I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait until I can have that pure relationship that's described in the scriptures. But you have to get to the point where you love and value yourself. Absolutely. And I've seen it uh, from the male perspective when men are in, men are in relationships and they're um, – Put it, you know, trying to trying to be the best man they can be in the relationship, putting their best foot forward, serious about the relationship, and then they find out later that she was only interested in sex. Now that the table turned a little bit in that scenario, <laughs> but men are usually emotionally scarred by um, being taken advantage of like women. Now they may not show it the same way, but they actually feel that same pain, and they actually feel like, well, I was just, you know, what she just wanted me to have sex. That's all, you know. And and they may talk it over with their guy friends, or they may talk it over with a female friend that they trust, you know. But they have they have an emotional pain that comes with 
actually haven't been uh, taken advantage of or used, let's put it that way, uh, for their terminology, used in such a way as she just used me as a sex toy or, you know, or she just used me as a sex machine. She wasn't real serious. And he's serious and she's not. So when they find out that, when he finds out that um, she wasn't serious, then just like women, they begin to put up a wall and they, if, you, if they're not careful, they begin to develop a bitter taste towards uh, relationships, a, 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 a bad taste towards, you know, women and a relationship. Oh, man, I'm just going to be by myself, you know. Same things that some of the women say. But um, that intimacy is so powerful that whether you're male or female, if you find out that somebody was just using you for a sex object, it has a way of impacting your emotions. Because deep down on the inside, what you're saying is I'm more than that. I'm more than just a sex toy. I'm more than just a sex object. And she just she just wanted sex, but I wanted a relationship. So now you're a little hesitant when you meet someone else because now you're trying to see if they're going to be doing the same thing the previous person did. So that's why we have to build our self-esteem and we have to clear our minds about relationship and start relating better and pray for God to give us a spirit of discernment so that when we meet those kinds of people, we know how to uh, cut it off at the neck. You know, before it does, before the relationship ever gets anywhere, we have to learn how to stop and say, you know what, you're not the one. I cannot have a relationship with you. Sometimes we're afraid to do that because we're worried about the other person's feeling or how they're going to react. And, you know, sometimes we need to cold turkey, simply say, you know what, you can do whatever you want to do with your life. I cannot allow you to infiltrate mine with it. This is not God's will for me. I can't talk to you by the phone, and I can't go out on any more dates with you. This is over. And you have to hang up, take a deep breath, and you have to go on. Because it might be real hard to, you know, because you're like, I haven't had a date in 10 years. And wait, you know, but you have the cold turkey. Just shut it down so that you can protect your own emotions. You know, and sometimes people come back and they say, what you think, oh, you think you're better than me? You know, well, what you talking about? You, you know, and sometimes you have to say it's not about me being better than you. It's about me being a better, in a better spiritual place than you. You know, so I can't do this because they'll try to make you feel guilty about shutting their relationship down. And before you know it, you've done something that they wanted you to do and then they break off. And now you're even more devastated. So uh, sexual hunger, pray for God to keep you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has the ability or the Holy Spirit can keep you from falling. Okay, that was number three. Number four, distraction from your own life. You know, and some people get into relationships not because they have found the right person, but as an excuse to avoid uh, their own life. So they become obsessed with love to avoid paying attention uh, to their own life. That means that you you get involved in relationships because um you don't want to deal with uh, the, uh, you don't want to uh, deal with the area of your own life where you need to grow up, where you need to improve. There may be some things you need to handle better. So what you do is you become obsessed with love, and so you start focusing on that person. You get into a relationship and you just start focusing on that person, and you just make it seem like you're just so overwhelmed with, so taken aback by them. And the reality is, you're only using them as a scapegoat so that you will not deal with the areas of your own life that you need to deal with so that you can grow. Up, so you avoid your own life, you know. And you could be in your thirties doing that, your forties doing it, you could be in your fifties doing that. And so, what you do is you apply yourself to that relationship to make it seem like, oh wow, you know, um, I love that person. They really need me. And the reality is, what you need to do is go back 
and start dealing with those, in those areas, with those areas of your life that you have not uh, either grown up in, you have not uh, resolved some issues, you're not dealing with some things correctly, and so uh, um, you you attach yourself to avoid dealing with your own um, issues, and so uh, you you do things. Um, in the relationship that will focus off of what you need to take care of in your life and you focus on it, like I said, or you become obsessed with being in love. And most of us can say that at some point in the course of our lives that we've run across some people that all they talked about was their girlfriend or their boyfriend and we're sitting there trying to talk to them about how to, what areas they need to improve in. And some kind of way, Dr. Crystal, they turn the conversation right back on their boyfriend or their <laughs> girlfriend. You know, right. you, you say, I don't want to hear another word about who you're dating. I want to talk to you about this area of your life. You need to manage your money better or you need to build your credit or you need to focus on your career. You need to start going to work on time. You know, get off the phone so you won't be uh, sleeping late and going into work late. You know, put the relationship on hold for a minute and start developing yourself in other right. in areas so that you can be a strong person. What's your comment on that, Dr. Crystal? You first have to know yourself. You really have to ask yourself, who am I? A lot of times there's the tendency to get so deep into the other person and pleasing that other person that you lose who you are. And that's why when you begin to speak, it's all about that person because there's no more you. So you have to ask yourself, first of all, who am I? What do I like? You know, what type of music do I like? What type of food do I like to eat? And then you're able to begin to build on those things. You know, go to the galleries. Go to the festivals like you mentioned. If that's significant other in your life, maybe they don't like Chinese food. You go out, have some Chinese food. Kick back, eat with your chopsticks. Have the time of your life. But begin to recognize who you are and what you value. Absolutely, because most of the times when people become obsessed with other folks, it's because, as what you just say, it's a lack of passion and purpose in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And, and rather than looking within to find out why they feel that way, they get involved in a love uh, a relationship, and uh, and they try to make that their purpose. Right. You know. You know, and we hear it a lot of times, you know, uh, well, that's my assignment right now. I'm in that relationship with him, and that's my ministry, or he says, you know, that's my assignment right now. No, that's your relationship right now, but your assignment is to fulfill the purpose God has has willed for your life, or your assignment is to develop the person God wants you to be, and you can't do that when you're obsessed with someone else and all of your energies and your focus is on that other person's life because um, as Dr. Crystal said, you get to the place where you don't know who you are. And then you start defining yourself by the relationship you're obsessed with. That is true. And you know, there's a scripture that says it's better, where Paul goes on to say that it's better to be single, but marry rather than burn. And that is so true. If you can be single, you can focus on your purpose what God intended for you to do. And that's not to say don't look for a relationship, but that's to say don't let that be your focus. And I believe what he was saying in that scripture is that your attention is divided. When you're focusing so much on getting the relationship and making the relationship right, you're losing your focus on God. 
and that's not how it was intended. When you're walking and you're moving and you're being exactly as God intended you to be, then he's like, now you're ready. Now she's ready. Now he's ready. Let me send that special someone their way. But how can he entrust you with that someone special, with that man that is the man of God or the woman of God, and you still don't have you all cleaned up? Right. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it, it all goes back to who you are, knowing who you are and allowing God and the Word of God, the Spirit of God to actually equip you for the assignment that, or just equip you to be the person that he desires for you to be. Number five is uh, to avoid growing up. I really like this one. And, you know, and people usually get, some people get in, in, in relationships, you know, because they want to be taken care of. Not because they want to share, you know, for, share the fullness of their life with someone else, but because they want to be taken care of. You know, they have that mommy and daddy syndrome, you know, take care of me syndrome. And so what they do is they engage in relationships with people who have a big age difference or, you know, there's a big uh, difference in financial success and professional success. So, and, and, and they, they uh, connect with someone or their partner, somebody who they can always ask advice and get help from because they want somebody to take care of them. You know, they want somebody to, to pay the bills and they want somebody, you know, um, uh, to to uh, care for them and, you know, make sure that they got got their dinner and got their food. Just the same thing that mom and daddy would do when we were growing up, you know. So and to avoid growing up, they connect with somebody who will cater to them in that way. Uh, but again, like what Dr. Crystal said is that, you number one, you never grow up. And, since you, and because you never grow up, you never find out, you never discover who you really are. You know, and so you spend a lot of time just uh, wanting somebody to uh, cater to you, and um, uh, uh, you become irresponsible because the relationship you're in is like a childlike relationship. It's not a grown-up relationship. It's two grown people, of course, but it's more like a ch- it's a childlike relationship where you're the child and the person you're connecting with is mommy or daddy. And so you know that's unhealthy. Because we're, we're not told to date mommy and daddy. We're not told to marry mommy and daddy. We you know we have our parents, but we're not told to marry them. You know, so uh, when you when you try to avoid growing up, it simply means that, that there are some other issues that are going on in your life that needs to be resolved before you ever get in, involved in a relationship. Because most of the time, people who connect with that childlike mentality and they're looking to be taken care of, they also connect with somebody who has another type of mentality, and they're looking for somebody who is childlike. And so you pay a heavy price somewhere in that relationship. You know, you don't just get taken care of, and that's it, and it's a smooth sailing, and you just lay back on the sofa like a fat rat. No, that other person is going to get something out of that relationship as well. So uh, number five was to avoid growing up. Number six, and and, uh, Dr. Crystal talked about it earlier, is guilt. You know, some people have, you know, uh, get involved in relationships because they feel guilty about their past. Um, Also, in addition to feeling guilty, they stay in relationships that they know are unhealthy because they don't want to call it off because they're afraid of hurting the other person's feelings. So they feel guilty about hurting the other person's feelings, and they know that the relationship is not healthy. And so they stay in the relationship, though, they prolong it out of uh, because they feel guilty about causing hurt or causing pain uh, uh, to the other person's um, feelings. And, 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 and 
you know, sometimes we just have to do that. You know, it's unfortunate, you know, but the best thing that could happen is when you're in a situation or a relationship that is unhealthy, um, there's going to be some hurt and pain when you um, call that relationship off. But it may be the best thing that you could possibly do. So go through what I call the growing pains, you know, if you have to call a relationship off. But if you feel guilty about it, you know, um, then uh, you'll remain in a romantic situation, not because you want to stay there, but because you're afraid of what might happen if you leave the relationship, you know. So, you know, have you ever found yourself in a relationship uh, longer than you should have been because you were afraid to hurt the other person, your partner, by leaving. And so you have guilty feelings, and so you stay in that relationship. Eventually, when you finally do come out of that relationship, you become angry at yourself because you look at how long you stayed in the investment of time that you made in a relationship that you really weren't happy about. And the last thing, the seventh thing, is to fill your emotional or spiritual emptiness. Two problems occur when, you, when you're trying to fill your emotional or spiritual emptiness. You get involved in relationships to fulfill, your, fulfill, to fill yourself up rather than because you have found someone you, that is, who's right for you. And you get involved in relationships that could be right for you, but you look to, for them to fill you in ways that you should be, should be filling yourself. So spiritually, only God can fill that emptiness and even um, that emotional emptiness. God is the only one that can fill any emptiness that you have going on in your life. There's not another human being that can feel that. They can bring some fulfillment of joy, peace, love, and happiness to your life, but they cannot feel any emptiness or void that you have there. The Word of God says that those that thirst and hunger uh, for righteousness, they shall be filled. So you really have to seek God first if there's an emptiness or, or a um emotional or spiritual emptiness in your life, you must seek God for that feeling first before you get involved in a relationship. It will not last. The person doesn't have the ability, the fortitude, or the wherewithal to feel you like that. Only God can do that because they don't even know what's missing in you. It would take about two years to figure out what's missing in you. They they just don't have it. Um, and so if you're spiritually or emotionally empty, you must have that feel by the Spirit of God and the Word of God before you engage in a relationship. Uh, because the purpose of the relationship is not to fill you. The, 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 it is to bring some fulfillment, but it's not to fill any empty places in your life. Dr. Crystal, what's your comment on that? I agree. I agree every, with everything that you've said on that. And it's just it's very important to not look for others to feel what you need. When you go into a relationship looking to fill a void, when you're emotionally needy, whether it's a physical need or a spiritual need, it's not going to end up good. It, it, there's no way that it can end up good. You may have a lot of fun on the surface. It may look great. But when you go home, when you close the door, and it's just you, it can't be great because no one else, can fill a void in your life. No other human being can fill a void. You have to figure out who you are, and you have to work to make you the best you and then bring that to the relationship. You can't go in needy. You can't go. It's almost like saying, I'm hungry. Let me see what I'm going to eat. But then there's nothing there. Because you didn't go out and you didn't do any grocery shopping. Right. You didn't bring anything to it. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you the seven wrong reasons again, and then Dr. Crystal is going to come back and talk to us a little bit more about self-esteem. Is that right, Dr. Crystal? Yes. Okay, she's going to talk to us a little bit more about that. And I want you, uh, if you're either in the chat room, please post your comment or question. And if you're by phone, we're going to open up the phone lines and Dr. Crystal finish with her second part of self-esteem, and we'll take any questions or answers or comments that you have. So if you're by phone, listening by phone, and uh, you have a question or a comment, all you need to do is press the number 1 on your phone. If you're in the chat room, then you um, just type in your comment or question, and I'll read it out loud, and then I'll Post, uh, give the answer, and then post it again for you in the chat room. So the seven wrong reasons to be in a relationship, number one, pressure, whether that pressure is from your age, your family, your friends, or any kind of pressure. Uh, pressure. Number two, loneliness and desperation. Number three, sexual hunger. Number four, distraction from your own life. Uh, number five, to avoid growing up. Number six, guilt. Number seven, to fulfill your emotional or spiritual emptiness. Those are the seven wrong reasons for uh, beginning a relationship or falling in love or entering into a relationship with someone. And so Dr. Crystal is going to talk to us about self-esteem. Okay, thank you. And I just have a few things that I want to touch on here this evening so that we can go ahead and take your questions. But with self-esteem, A person with self-esteem is described as someone who feels capable of meeting life's challenges. Um, They also feel worthy of experiencing happiness. And you may ask, how do we transition then from what I spoke about earlier, having low self-esteem, how do you move from feelings of low self-esteem to becoming that person who embraces the challenges that's put before them and they welcome the joy and happiness that comes with a healthy relationship? And I want to say that it starts we're gaining a sober estimation of yourself, of acknowledging who you are before God. And you begin to love yourself with the love that's described in 1 Corinthians thirteen seven, the love that we talked about at the top of the program. And one exercise that I do a lot with my clients, I have this um, 10-week self-esteem program that I offer. And at one point during that program, I have them look into a mirror and tell themselves, I love you. And you would be surprised that how hard it is for some people to look at themselves and say, I love you. So I challenge you guys that are listening tonight, after the show, take a walk to your bathroom, turn on the light, because I've had people come back and say, yeah, Dr. Crystal, I told myself I love me, but I had the light off. That doesn't work. <laughs> turn on the light. Keep your eyes open. Look in the mirror and say, I love you, and you fill in the blank with your name. The next thing that I want to encourage you to do is to pray through Psalms 139 in its entirety and ask God to search you and to reveal to you the things that you're anxious about and the things that you need to change so that you can approach your relationships with the confidence and the security that can only come from knowing and being secure with who you are before God. Because Psalms 139, verses 13 through 14 say, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. 
I know that full well. And we are all works of God. And the scripture says that his works are wonderful. And we need to know that full well. And you need to be able to embrace yourself and love yourself with the love of God. Thank you so much, Dr. Crystal. We appreciate you being with us on tonight. And so we're going to open up the phone lines and the chat room right now for any uh, comments or questions. And so if you're listening, I want to encourage you, please make a comment or ask a question. This is the time to do it, you know, whether you whether it's about yourself or whether you are you have friends and family members that you've been talking with about this and you're helping somebody out and you're learning some things. Let us know that it's, the show is beneficial in this particular teaching series is helping you uh, and the only way that we can know that is if you open up and make a comment on air so we can hear you know how we're doing here because we want to make sure that we uh, stay on target with what you need and make sure that the teaching that we provide um, are lessons that can help you the strategies that we give you are things that can help you in your life and in this week we're talking about we're talking to single adults and so we really want to hear from you so again if you by phone you just press the number one and we'll bring you on and what I'll do is I'll call out the last four digits of your phone number and if you're in the chat room uh, please just make post your comment and uh, or question and I'll read it out loud and I will go from there. So we'll give you a minute to pull yourself together, your thoughts together, uh, and to um, anybody get past your fear talking on air and uh, before we uh, close. And so I want to give you a chance. So please press the number one and let us know if this teaching tonight really helped you and if so, how it helped you. Uh, we actually really would appreciate the feedback. On tomorrow night, as you are going through, um, as you're thinking about what you uh, what you're going to say on online on the air, I want you to know we're going to continue on tomorrow night um, with um, part four. We're going to talk about the six biggest mistakes that uh, we make um, in relationships. And again, we're going to be dealing with some really um, tough uh, issues, and a lot of times we find ourselves. Uh, in these different issues uh, or situations or you look back over your life and say, I was there, but uh, thank God I have grown um, out of that uh, and I'm doing much better. And so the next show is the six biggest mistakes we make in the beginning of a relationship. And um, and we're going to look at that and we're going to address those things and then we're going to give you strategies on how to avoid making uh, those biggest mistakes and so be, because they actually will um, hinder the relationship from developing into something that could be positive and fruitful for your life. And uh, all of these things are things that we need to keep in mind, you know, especially um, if you're single, you haven't dated for a while, and then you end up meeting somebody. You can get overly excited, kind of jump the gun on some things and Find yourself like, oh, I didn't expect this to turn out like this, you know. So, so once again, if you are in the uh, chat room and you have a comment, please post your comment. If you are on uh, listening by phone and you have a comment, please press the number one. Uh, if not, we're going to close out. And I want to thank everybody for um, 
for listening on tonight. Some of you have been uh, with uh, listening to the program, the teaching, since uh, Sunday night, and I really appreciate it. I know your time is valuable. I don't want to keep you any longer than uh, we need to keep you in the te- uh, doing this particular teaching, but I did want to give you a chance if you wanted to make a comment. I wanted to give you a chance to do that, so all you have to do is press the number one. I really would like to hear from you. If not, then we're going to go ahead and close out. And Remember, on tomorrow night, again, 730 uh, PM Central Standard Time. We're going to be talking about the six uh, biggest mistakes we make in the beginning of a relationship. Uh, let me check the chat room. And if there's no comments in the chat room, then um, we'll go ahead and close the show out. Uh, Dr. Crystal, do you have any final thoughts? Just be true to yourself. Find out who you really are. Pray that God will reveal to you the beauty that He's created in you. And embrace that. Okay. Um, looks like we have a comment or a question. The last four digits of your number is 2280. And so I'm going to bring you on. Hello, you're on the air. This is Minister London. Hello, Minister London. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. I was just in, uh, listening to your show tonight. And I was wondering to repeat those uh, uh, those uh, particular uh, uh, steps those. that you say. Okay, sure. The 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 seven wrong reasons. Yes, ma'am. Okay, number one, pressure. Number two, loneliness and desperation. Number three, sexual hunger. Number four, distraction from your own life. Number five, to avoid growing up. Number six, guilt. Number seven, to fill up your emotional or spiritual emptiness. I'll go over them again. One, pressure. Number two, loneliness and desperation. Three, sexual hunger. Four, distraction from your own life. Five, to avoid growing up. Six, guilt. Number seven, to fill up your emotional or spiritual emptiness. You got them? Yes, ma'am. All I right. Really, I really appreciate all that you're doing uh, on your show. May oh, I bless you. Uh, we spoke last night. Yes, <laughs> I recognize your voice, yes. Okay. But uh, like I said, uh, it, it is definitely a blessing to uh, get some of this helpful information to try to get you, get myself back in relationship status. Absolutely. Get myself ready for a relationship uh, with the opposite sex, not just with God, but with the opposite sex as well. Right. Absolutely. Because you know what? We were created for love relationships. First, a, relation, a love relationship with God, and then we were created for love relationship with other people. And so it is a it is a uh, a genuine desire. It's just that in order for us to experience it the way God intended, we have to make sure we get ourselves together. We have to make sure that, like you said, we're right for a relationship. And when we get ourselves together, then we can discern some things and we can enter into the best possible relationship ever and enjoy that journey because the relationship is is a journey, and it should be a journey that you enjoy. And uh, 
And so thank you. I appreciate your comment. And, you know, I really do appreciate you listening and uh, making your comment and, and putting your uh, life experience out there. I appreciate that. And it's just a blessing to be able to hear um, that the teaching is. I know it's helping everybody that's listening, but when you put a voice to the help, it uh, it really does serve as a, a, a source of encouragement for those of us who are actually providing the teaching. And so I thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. But uh, I do have a question, though. Okay. Um, the young, the minister that's on the that's on the line with us, by any chance does she do any counseling here in Dr. Louisiana as well? <laughs> okay, Dr. Crystal. I do not do face-to-face counseling in Louisiana. However, I do offer Skype and telephone sessions. Well, is there a way to get in contact with you or as um, self-esteem, I guess building your self-esteem as well? Yes, there is. You can go to my website. It's www.drcrystal, that's D-R-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. I truly thank you. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Well, y'all ladies, y'all have a excuse me, y'all ladies, y'all have a blessed night, and I'm gonna step back in the background again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, Dr. Crystal, give us that uh, information uh, one more time. It's www. dot drcrystal d r c r y s t a l dot weebly w e e b ly.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And so we still have some time if somebody else wants to make a comment or if you have a, a question. Uh, and I'll just talk to you just a little bit briefly about the show on tomorrow night. Again, it's the six biggest mistakes we make um, in the beginning of a relationship. And some of the mistakes that, the mistakes that we make, we don't ask enough questions. We ignore warning signs of potential problems. And then a lot of us are a lot of people, I should say, uh, give in to material seduction. We get, you know, folks get caught up on gifts and uh, what, you know, the type of car somebody's riding, what kind of house they live in, you know, what kind of jewelry they get, you know, what kind of uh, restaurants they get taken out to dinner for, you know, and so we uh, we make these mistakes by being by getting caught up in that material seduction, or we ignore warning signs of potential partner. You know, somebody is, is having a battle with alcohol, they're having a battle with drugs, and we, you know, we see it and we, we, um, we ignore those signs, or they're hot-tempered, they, they go into rage, fits of rages, and we just think, oh, they're having a bad day. Well, no, that's a warning sign. And so we ignore those things, and so we make those mistakes in the beginning of the relationship because most of the time, people can only wear the mask for so long before the real person begins to come through that mask and if you're not careful if you're just desperate to be in a relationship you will make these mistakes because you won't pay enough attention you won't ask enough questions well i don't i didn't want to ask all them questions i didn't want him to think i was trying to get in this business you know or i didn't want her to think i was prying you know in uh, trying to get into her business but it's certain questions that you need to ask at the beginning or in the beginning couple of weeks of a relationship just to find out where their head is at. 
just to find out where they are emotionally, you know, uh, because you know, you you know, the, the credit the credit score might be perfect, but they might be uh, mentally disturbed. You know, the credit report might be great, but they might be emotionally wounded. They might be angry, mad, bitter at men and women in relationships. And, you know, if you don't talk about, have, have the right conversations, you'll never know it. So it's really about uh, you asking the question so you can discern whether or not you should go any further in the relationship. So we're going to talk about those things, uh, some of those mistakes that are made in the beginning of relationships on uh, tomorrow night. So if no one else has a question or a comment, again, I thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you. your time. It's valuable. Dr. Crystal, I want to thank you so much for joining me on uh, this evening. And I, I want to say to everybody that's listening, you know, we're in all these different um, uh, social sites, Facebook, Twitter, Blog Talk Radio, you know, stumble upon, LinkedIn, all these kind of things. And we have people connected to us as our friends and our followers and whatever. Sometimes we need to reach out to each other and get to know each other so that we can do this work together. And that's how I met Dr. Chris put a video out there and offer people an opportunity, you know, to be a part of this radio show, and she responded. And so I thank you for that, for responding, Dr. Crystal. I thank oh, God for the connection. And um, it's, uh, sometimes you have to introduce yourself, you know, for people to know about you. You know, the gift does make room for you, but no one will know about the gift if you don't tell us that you have it. And so I want to thank you for reaching out and just in a, a spirit of boldness and a spirit of confidence, introducing yourself through an email and talking by phone and, you know, bridging that connection. And so I thank God that I have a new friend co-laboring the gospel and a co-laboring counseling and ministry. I really <laughs> appreciate you. Uh, and so we're, we are experiencing each other's gift for the first time. And so yes, I and appreciate it has been you. wonderful. Thank you so much. So, everyone, have a wonderful and blessed evening, and I'll see you back here on uh, tomorrow night. Have a good evening. Have a good evening.